Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. All right, here we go in another episode of Overflow. Welcome back. Here we go. Let's get after it. Uh, One person, one step, one issue at a time. What's the reason? Why do we do overflow? We do overflow to, in one part, to counteract lifeless teaching in the kingdom of God. The the, the way of Christ is the way of life. Uh, Should have organic impact on your soul, on your emotional well-being, on the vitality that you have. And we want to uh, stand strongly against uh, lifeless Christianity that does not ignite and fire and endure and, and persevere in those things. Uh, in the second place, though, uh, in overflow, we also want to continue to advance your training. And I, I really want you to consider your life in Christ as being trained, uh, your time in church, your time in Bible study, uh, your time in all the practices of your faith as you being trained, you are being trained to walk in uh, the family of God as a son, as a daughter, and then also to engage in the kingdom of God uh, in the fight that God our Father has called you to fight, to run the race that God our Father has called you to run, uh, to live out the plan, to live out the life that he's called you to and created you to uh, enjoy. And so training is an essential part of that. And I want you to think about, man, I'm being trained. Uh, and overflow hopefully will become an integral part of your training, that every time you come into overflow, uh, podcast or blog or video, uh, that you come with pen in hand, uh, looking to be equipped, looking to be trained, looking to have your training further clarified, further pressed in, into different areas of your life, that you can become stronger, more mature, with greater clarity in what it is for you to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a son or daughter of God our Father, uh, and to be more effective in advancing the kingdom of God according to the calling that our Father has given you. Uh, so we do overflow uh, in part to combat lifeless, lifeless teaching, but then also to further your training as, uh, as a frontline individual in the kingdom of God. To that end, we are in a uh, four-part, uh, four-part deal, whatever you call these things, series on the four Babylons, the four Babylons. And the tact uh, that I want to take today is uh, to consider, for, to open your mind, to, to get you to consider the arena of your life, the arena, the battleground, the field, the arena of your life. Now, I went to Virginia Tech. I got my, I got a little uh, nutcracker guy. How does this work? I got a little nutcracker guy right there, Virginia Tech guy. Uh, Give me to be my, my cousin. What's up, Joe? Uh, Virginia Tech and Lane Stadium is the home of uh, Virginia Tech football. Lane Stadium uh, 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 for every home game. Every home game, our football team enters to uh, enters the field for the first time to enter Sandman by Metallica. They didn't have that when I was there, but uh, after I left, uh, whatever they started doing this Metallica deal, enter Sandman and the whole crowd, sixty five thousand people. You know, we're not an SEC team; we don't have a hundred thousand, but sixty five thousand fans jumping up and down. Uh, uh, over Metallica and everyone in the stadium is going, is, is going nuts. And the intent of doing that is to energize our team to beat whoever our, uh, whoever our enemy is, whoever our op- opponent is for the day. Let's get the, let's get the stadium. Let's get the stadium fired up. Let's get the, the folks in the arena fired up, clarified about who our enemy is. And, and then let's go play. Let's go play a, a game of football. Now uh, I'm hopeful that seeing your life 
as an arena, seeing the life and the, the area in which you live, seeing your life being lived in an arena or a stadium can be a useful metaphor to crystallize for you the importance of understanding Babylon. Uh, your life, life in general, is lived out in the arena of creation. Uh, we live on a field of play. Uh, we are on a battlefield, we're, and we are on a team competing against another team. You are on a team competing against another team. So that how can any team or person on a team succeed without understanding their opponent, the rules, and the goal of the game, or in our case, the goal of the goal of the war? Uh, one of the great issues that I find in modern Christianity, certainly in the West is the individualized nature of the way in which Christianity is taught. So much of our lives in Christ is about us, is about us being blessed or us getting our sins forgiven. It's about us in an individualized way. But biblically, Christianity is absolutely 100% a team sport. Christianity is a team deal. You were, you were saved from the orphanage of the world and to become a part of a family it's collective. Christianity is collective. Um, uh, so far more than just your sins being forgiven, you've been adopted into the family. You've been made a warrior or a soldier on, in an army. So it's collective in that we're on a team. It's collective in that we're on a family. It's collective that we're in an army. Uh, Christianity is not an individualized way of life, yet so much in the West is presented that way. So I continually find people suffering Brothers and sisters suffering in part because they don't understand the arena of their lives. Their faith is very individual to them and very not a part of the reality of the arena of the world in which we live. So I find people suffering because of that. But then I also find people struggling to live out a meaningful purpose of life mission in part because they don't understand the arena of their lives. It is really, really difficult to, to step into the fullness of who it is that God our Father has made you to be apart from understanding the war in which you are living. So much of your purpose, so much of your meaning is summed up in the Lord's Prayer in when Jesus says, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. So much of your identity is bound up. So much of your ministry and purpose in life is bound up in understanding what does this mean? Let your kingdom come and what's your part of it. And, under, and, and, and so to understand the arena, Babylon is a major piece of, uh, it's an essential ingredient to rightly interpreting one's life and being energized in one's purpose. Babylon biblically plays a major, major role that we continue to unpack. And so we press in these four-part series on Babylon. We've identified four Babylons, four Babylons. The first is the Tower of Babel that we saw a couple weeks ago in the prologue to our series that was built by the cursed Ham's grandson, Nimrod. And if that sentence doesn't make any sense to you, go back two weeks and listen to, read, or watch uh, Four Babylons on the prologue. Uh, so that's the first Babel. Uh, the first Babylon is Babel, Genesis 9 to 11. 
the second uh, Babylon is the old Babylonian empire, which reigned from 1894 BC to 1595 BC, not recorded in scripture. So it's not something we spend a whole lot of time on, uh, but it is an historical uh, manifestation of Babylon. The second, or excuse me, the third Babylon, the Neo-Babylonian empire, this one you need to know, the Neo-Babylonian empire existed from 629 to 539 BC, 620, excuse me, 626 to 539 BC. Nebuchadnezzar, who, if you've been around the Bible at all, you'll you'll recognize that name. Nebuchadnezzar was the most famous king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. And then the fourth Babylon is Revelation Babylon, Revelation 14 to 18, which we're going to look at in our next overflow. That is the fourth one. That's the fourth one. Uh, and so the, this thread of Babylon becomes a massively important uh, thread in Scripture that f- helps us frame the arena in which we live from which we uh, can rightly interpret our daily lives, our daily lives. So I'm recording this on Monday, uh, uh, December 4th. My understanding of Babylon helps shape my how I interpret what's going on in my life today. But then also beyond interpreting my life today, it, it gives me uh, substance to the purpose and the calling that God our Father has created for my life. Um, because every single one of us who are in Christ have a calling, have a purpose, have a race that God our Father's called us to run. And all of those mission statements, all of those purpose statements have to do with advancing the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. And the threat of Babylon is a way of understanding the kingdom of darkness. It's a name that that the kingdom of darkness will take on. And what we see in the Neo-Babylonian Empire is that it is a major contributing factor in the Old Testament. In fact, uh, the the, uh, prophet Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, Babylon is referenced 149 times in the book of Jeremiah alone. It's a big chunk, man. Isaiah, Daniel, Habakkuk, and other prophets speak fluidly about the country as a primary enemy of Judah. The Neo-Babylonian Empire collectively as a group, as an army, becomes a primary enemy of the nation of Judah. Babylon against Judah. Now, let's telescope out for a second historically to make sure we've got some context on this. Under King David, Israel unites as one nation. Israel's 12 tribes, 12 tribes, they unite together as one nation under King David. King David's son is Solomon, Israel's one nation, David Solomon. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, Rehoboam is David's grandson. Under Rehoboam, Israel splits into two kingdoms. And this is where it gets a little confusing. The kingdom in the north maintains the name Israel. So you got kingdom in the north, Israel. And then the southern kingdom is called Judah. Southern kingdom is called Judah. Now, The northern kingdom of Israel is wiped out by Assyria in 722 B.C. Assyria takes out the northern kingdom of Israel, 722 B.C. The Neo-Babylonian Empire displaces Assyria as the dominant world empire and turns its attention to, among others, Judah and sacks Judah in 586 B.C. So, Neo-Babylonian Empire as an army, wars against the people of Judah as an army. Watch this sample of the description of Babylon 
from Jeremiah the prophet, chapter 25, verse 8 to 11. Description of, of Neo-Babylonian Empire through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 25, verses 8 to 11. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, speaking of Judas, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord. And I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against the promised land, and against Judah, and against all these nations round about. And I will utterly destroy them and make a horror, make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice, voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. The whole land, all the promised land, will be a desolation and a horror, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. 70 years. Babylon as a nation, warring against Judah as a nation. I want you to imagine that you are a citizen of Judah. Imagine that you are a citizen of Judah. You and your family, citizen of Judah. One day, soldiers from the Babylonian army show up at your house, break down your door, and carry you and your family off to their land. They break down your door, pick you up, for, forcibly remove you, whatever, whatever your weaponry, they've got greater weaponry, and they take you from Judah and deport you to Babylon. I want you to see, I need you to see that what you are experiencing is a part of the conflict between Team Judah and Team Babylon. Regardless of how you feel about the war, you are a part of it and you are being affected by it. So imagine being carried off into exile or even worse, being separated from your family members. Imagine all of that happening and then denying that a war is even going on. Imagine that you were a part of Team Judah and you were denying on Monday that the war is going on. And on Tuesday, Babylon shows up and pulls you out and you're experiencing all of this destruction. And yet even in the midst of all of that destruction, you are still outwardly and openly denying that there is a war that's going on. This is the reality of many of our brothers and sisters today, maybe even, maybe even yourself. The carnage of the war that you and I are in is all around us in family and personal destruction. Look at the relational destruction in your family. Look at it. Thanksgiving. Look at it. Christmas time. Look at it throughout the year and other family gathering times. How much animosity, how much enmity, how much anger is there in your own family and the relationships that exist in your own family? How much personal health issues are you battling? Are your family members battling? How much depression and fear and anxiety? How much uh, 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 anorexia or food issues or alcoholism or antidepressants or uh, personal debt or obesity? How much of that is manifested all over the people that you know and the relationships that you have, divorce, uh, destruction, uh, uh, the body count, the carnage of the war is everywhere, yet so many of us ignore or minimize the war. We don't understand the arena of the life in which we live. And whether we like it or not, whether, and I don't, I, I don't like it. I, I, don't, I don't like the war. I don't want to live in the war. I don't want to battle this stuff all day, every day. Nevertheless, whether we like it or not, we live in a war. We live in a war. And because Babel, the Tower of Babel, Genesis 9 to 11, because Babel established the first city state in rebellion against God. Remember, we talked about this. 
Like Xerox copiers and Kleenex tissues, Babel became the first city-state, the first city-state in rebellion against God. It becomes synonymous with organized, with collective rebellion against God. The name Babel does, the name Babylon does. Babylon becomes synonymous with the enemy. Synonymous with the enemy. Now, in the New Testament, so we transition out of the Old Testament to the New Testament, the name Babylon fades in favor of this new word called the world. The world. The world becomes a favored designation of Jesus and his disciples to describe the team that's opposed to him and his work. So in the Old Testament, Prophet Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Habakkuk, we've got Team Babylon against Team Judah. When we come to the New Testament, one of the designations of this collectivized effort against the kingdom of God is this group of people called the world, called the world. Listen to these passages, Jesus speaking, John 17, 14 to 16. I have given my disciples your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I did not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the, in, from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So I need you to see collectivism, the collective world in opposition to team Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be squished. Don't be molded. Don't be shaped into the image of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of of your mind so that you can test and approve what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. These two things are put in contrast to one another. The world and its ways and the will of God and its ways. In contrast and in opposition to each other. The world as a collective group of people, as a collective entity at war against the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You must see, you must be awoken from your slumber of individualism as an expression of your faith. It's just me getting my sins forgiven and me being blessed to understanding that you have been adopted into the family of God as part of the kingdom of God in a war against a collective group of people in the Old Testament called Babylon in the New Testament in one place called the world. Jesus calls it the world. The apostle Paul calls it the world. And then listen to the directness of the apostle John's words of warning to his disciples against the world, against the world. First John 2, 15 to 17, don't love the world nor the things in the world. There's not a lot of guesswork in that. Don't love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the world and its collectivism, that team, that's a, they're a thing that you can fall in love with. Don't love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is passing away and also is lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Team Jesus, Team World. Team Judah, Team Babylon. Warring against one another. Not individuals, not individuals, a part of a family, a part of a war, a part of an army. Here we go. Now, Jesus, Paul, and John understood the world to be a collective group of individuals working and warring against the kingdom of God. While there was not at the time a king of the world in the fashion of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, scripture is clear that the king of the world is Satan himself. 
Satan himself ruling over the world, Satan himself ruling over the kingdom of darkness. Hence, Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world. One example, John 16, 11. One example, John 16, 11. So one of the things at this, at this juncture of our study in the, in, in, in the four Babylons, I hope you're awakening to the reality that, that of the war in the arena of your life. Your life, the lives of your loved ones are being heavily influenced by war. An army of people and forces is aligned against Jesus and his people. An organized army, sometimes called Babylon, sometimes called the world, sometimes called other things, strategically works to blind you to the love and power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have incredible authority and power. You do have incredible authority and power as an adopted child of our Father, brother, sister of Jesus, and a temple of the Holy Spirit. But... But that authority and power is only exercised in the context of war. It's only exercised in the context of war. Recently, I was with a man who was talking to me, and he was saying that he had dreams and visions that, that demons were living in his living room, were, were doing all sorts of nefarious things in his living room. And the images were causing real impact on his life and his family's vitality. Real, real stuff. I reminded him of his authority and position in the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit anointing. He went home with his wife, engaged in these images, uh, quoting 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11, declaring the authority that he had on the Lord Jesus Christ. And those images and pictures just went right out, just disappeared. And the joy of the Lord returned into his family, returned into his, into his heart and mind, and certainly into his wife. You have incredible authority and power in the war to win in the war. In addition to your authority, your life has tremendous meaning and purpose. Your life has tremendous meaning and purpose. You are a soldier in the eternal war. The goal of your enemy is to steal, to kill, and destroy life. It's destroy life. So what do, we, what do we glean from that? We glean from that, that this war that you were in is about people. The reason that you got saved and woken up in the war is because the war is about people. What's God our Father doing? He's reaching, restoring, building, going after people. One person, one step, one issue at a time. This war is about people. You can experience incredible wholeness and joy and meaning and purpose simply by engaging and loving people. Pursue people, listen to people, care for people, pray for people, train people, build people. That's frontline that's front living. What is frontline living about? Going on Fox News and blasting the culture wars? No. No, the front line of the kingdom of God is about reaching people one person, one step, one issue at a time, falling in love with them and demonstrating that you care for them. Experiment. Try this this week. Try this. Call one person this week and ask them to coffee or to a meal. Just one person. Just one person. When you're together, just ask them about them. Just ask them about them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how their marriage is or their single life is. Ask them how their lives are going. Go deeper. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you questions to ask. Ask because you care. Ask because you care. Watch how you feel by the end of the meal. Watch how you feel by the end of the meal and watch how they feel. This is the war. This is the war. And this is the arena. One person, one person at a time. Let me give you two final things about the Neo-Babylonian Empire that we can glean from that Jeremiah 25 passage first. Notice that the Lord is the one who led them to attack Judah. The Lord is the one who stirred up Babylon to war against Judah. There's so much more that could be said about the specifics. But for now, I want you to see that God is ridiculously bigger than Babylon. 
God is ridiculously bigger than Babylon. Similarly, you got to get a hold of this. God and his kingdom are ridiculously bigger than the United States, than China, than Russia, than Israel, than Europe, than Africa, and every other country and every other continent on planet Earth and all of them combined. God our Father is ridiculously bigger. Ridiculously bigger. Second, in addition to God being bigger than any culture, God is far bigger than any government leader. God is far bigger than any government leader. Nebuchadnezzar was a vile leader of a cruel and merciless empire that destroyed millions of people and dozens of nations under the leadership of of Nebuchadnezzar. However, Daniel chapter 4 tells us that God our Father broke Nebuchadnezzar and he surrendered. God our Father broke Nebuchadnezzar and he surrendered. Daniel 4.37 says this. This is Nebuchadnezzar's words, Nebuchadnezzar's own words. After he's broken and humbled before the Most High God, Nebuchadnezzar says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of Heaven, for all his works are true and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Nebuchadnezzar, don't stop praying for our leaders and don't stop praying for the vilest people in your family. Nebuchadnezzar encountered his creator, broke, and experienced life in the overflow. Brothers and sisters, life in the overflow is not just about you. It's about you and the kingdom of God in the arena of life engaged in the fight against Babylon. I hope this has been super helpful to you as we continue to press in for Babylon. We've got one left, Revelation Babylon, next time we're together. Smash that uh, notification subscribe button. Really press into your training. Share this on your social media channels uh, with your friends and uh, neighbors uh, who are locked into an individual expression of Christianity. Their eyes can be open to the wider reality of a kingdom war that they can uh, better interpret what's going on in their lives and sink deeply, sink deeply into their own purpose to advance the kingdom of God on earth as as it is in heaven against Babylon and all of its manifestations that seek to war against us and our families. Uh, We continue to shout, to prophesy, to declare uh, that life, the the life of Christ is intended to live together uh, on the front lines of the faith as we seek to understand what it looks like to live in the overflow. Thank you for joining us in the overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.